0: This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, man! Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the literary briefs drunk edition. Just kidding. Not kidding. kidding. Not kidding. Okay. What? I
1: cannot hear
0: I'm trying to introduce us, Vanessa, Reign it in. Then you can explain your stupid vodka story. Okay. So um I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is
1: Vanessa Valiente.
0: And our guest today is Brian D. Anderson. Woo!
2: Hey! D for a double dose of my bad writing.
0: Yes, let's go for episode two of Bad Writing. No, just kidding. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about what we're drinking a little bit so people can drink along. So I'm drinking Half Mine Gin that comes from a, a local distillery, brewery? No, 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 not brewery. Distillery in Dunedin, and it's like a cucumber-flavored gin. It's it's pretty amazing and tonic. Through a little lime in there like a boss in my Drinking With Author's Cup. Brian, we're going to send you one of these. But now, oh. I would like you to explain your. I'm not drinking wine because,
1: uh, well, because I drank too much wine, so I had to justify in my mind that I'm better off today because I'm drinking vodka, but it's been diluted by water. So
2: you know, I know now that saying that this out long long.
1: loud makes no fucking sense, and I'm crazy. Uh, but that's okay, you know, because I mean, who really is sane and? Do we really want to be sane?
0: Okay, we're not being philosophical right now. We're talking about what we're drinking. Rain it in, vodka girl.
1: Vodka, water in this fabulous Drinking With Authors podcast solo cup of magnificence. So there we go.
0: We also have shot glasses, Brian. You're going to get some of those.
2: Awesome Um, checkers. That's a word, by the way. All words are made up.
1: um,
0: Perfect. I like it. What are you drinking?
2: I am drinking Jack Daniels.
0: And why I was supposed
2: to be—I was supposed to be drinking Heinekens, but I have teenagers in the house that decided they wanted my Heinekens. Ooh.
0: yes, yes.
2: So, and go ahead. I, I'm left with. Oh no, no. Well, I shouldn't say left with. I love Jack Daniel's.
1: I was about to say, I was like, oh, poor you, you. Yeah, poor baby. Poor you. <laughs>
2: That's all I ever drink. Like, I, 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 like I said, in the in the pre-interview, uh, Jack Daniels and um, Heineken's uh, because I fear change, and that's all I'll ever drink ever.
0: Yeah, you definitely strike me as somebody who fears change. Not okay. Rapid <laughs> fire questions. The first one is: What is your favorite book of all time?
2: Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings. Why? Because it's what got me into fantasy.
0: That's a good answer. What is your least favorite book of all time?
2: Uh, Tea by Holly Bibble. Why? Because it's caused massive amounts of death and destruction throughout the world.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: I'm going to give you a minute to figure out what I just said.
0: Tea by Holly Okay, no, I'm not gonna try to figure <laughs> stuff out. I've drunk like all of this gin. It's not, I'm not proud. Not the
2: sober. Letter, picture the letter T. Now picture the name Holly Bibble.
1: Not helping. I just, I need to write this on paper because everything's a little blurry right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I'm so it, glad that it, box it, is it, working.
2: It'll, it'll dawn on you later.
0: It will, and I'm gonna email you and go,
2: it's okay. It's fine. So, Holly Bibble.
1: Holly Bibble.
2: The letter T. It's called T by Holly Bibble. I
1: don't
0: get it. It's okay. People are listening who are getting it and going, how drunk are they right oh, Bible? now?
2: Bible. The Bible. So- T by Holly Bibble.
0: <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> have <laughs> yeah, a girl okay okay there's my Jurassic park moment of the day um what is your favorite book to TV show or, or movie
2: huh uh probably the expanse
1: Chuck just said that last night oh yes
2: well I mean the, uh, I've only read one of the books. But the the entire series, the way they've done it and the way they've betrayed it and the way they have just I just think it's fantastic. It's not even the hard science aspects of it where they, they they've kept, kept true to the science. I, I couldn't give a shit about that. I love Star Wars and they're, they're about as scientifically accurate as you know what I mean come on but the, uh, the, the, the way they, the way they've done the characters and the. Uh, my, I mean, Amos is my favorite. You know, I mean, it, it, it's just a fantastic series. It, they took a, uh, took a great series of books and did it justice, you know, seriously. That and probably Good Omens.
0: Good Omens was really good. I have to say, you just said it's not historically accurate. One of my favorite things, um, one of my other co-hosts, her name is um, Jen, said one time we were sitting at a table and I know what she was intending to say, but this will forever be one of the funniest things she ever said. Clash of the Titans is not historically accurate.
2: Computer <laughs> <laughs> like, is the Iliad
1: yeah, he literally said that, and I was like, "Wait a minute, what the fuck do you mean? Clash of the Titans is? Did you think it was historically?" accurate? Well, who does? I want to meet this
0: person. Yeah, it was so funny. But what she was main trying to say is the stories that they're telling—they jumbled up all the stories.
2: The mythology. Oh
0: okay. yes, yeah. but it was funny the way she said it, and I was like, "Okay, just for the record, forever you will have said Clash of the Titans is not historical."
2: And she is correct she's right you gotta yeah. get she was right <laughs> so,
0: what is your um what is your least favorite book to tv series or movie aragon really you know they're talking about redoing that right now i
2: heard and i i actually know chris and he is such a super great guy um, you should have him on your show and he'd be he'd do it too I mean um, I'll put I'll put you in touch with him if you I was if,
0: gonna say invite whoever you'd like to be on the show introduce us well
2: um he's a super nice guy and he, he knows I mean they, they, they ruined they ruined his uh, his book with that they actually made it they ended that movie and they did that entire movie to where they couldn't do anymore Um, because of the way the books went it was so they they turned I forget the 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 woman's name the the main woman's name who he ends up trying to save at the end she was an elf and they didn't even make her an elf you know I mean it was a a lot of it had to do with the elves they didn't make those people important and I did hear I heard the same thing they're gonna redo it and I hope they do because it's such a fun series and it's such an important YA series for a lot of people, it was uh, it was for a lot of people it was what introduced them to fantasy and. Um,
1: series deserves like a Netflix show or something like I I don't know if, like I don't know if you ever read like the Percy Jackson books, but. Those I, read, I
2: read one, um, and my son was really into the movies. And remember, I told you the story about the, how the Goblin Chronicles came out. Yeah. Um. the um hang on a second go to the store get cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> but um
1: you're making your cigarette but, order on an interview yes, <laughs> I, I, it. it's, I, perfect. I it's fucking perfect Um.
2: Uh, anyway he 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 had been watching those uh those movies when he got kind of inspired so, look, uh, Rick Riordan, um, he, yeah. he, he's, you know, an amazing uh, mid-grade fantasy author. I mean, he's just something else, you know. You Come also, on. See,
1: his books were so fantastic. It was like, you know, if you were, like, having, like, a Harry Potter hangover, but you wanted something sort of different, it gave you that feel of a normal kid who's, you know, dyslexic, and he ends up being, like, this badass, and you well, find out you know all
2: these amazing things but the movies are horrible well, and- you bring up harry potter up harry po- oh i'm sorry you bring up harry potter but harry potter jk rowling is probably the most important children's author since dr seuss
0: oh yeah but just for the record the percy jackson movies by themselves as movies were actually really well done oh, and well thought out yeah yeah they were pretty yeah. good but here's the thing as the book the problem is this is tr- we talk about this so much, but the fact of the matter is, when you take a book and try to make it into a movie, there are so many traps and turbulations that you go in through. Depending on the story and how um, far in you have to get to get the entire experience, like no, Peter Jackson was very lucky that they said you can have four thousand hours to make the Lord of the Rings series. Because if he tried to do those in 120 minutes each, what do you think those would have looked like?
2: Yeah, well, he screwed the pooch on The Hobbit.
0: Oh, I don't want to... Don't get me started on that one. But I meant, in general, like, it's not the whole story, but he did very well with bringing the idea of the story we all know if we've read the books which a lot of us have there's all kinds of things that we can go there wasn't this thing let's not even get started on helm's deep bullshit Mm -hmm. like there's all these things but he brought this story and i feel like the spirit of these stories to the screen but he was allowed to do it in a certain time frame and if you're given a movie. And you have 120 minutes, and we take even one of your books, Brian, and go, in 120 minutes, tell this story. Unless you have somebody really good that goes, I'm going to take this part of this and tell this part of the story, because you're not telling a 140,000-word book in 120 minutes
2: well that's that's the that's the advantage of, uh, of modern lives uh, streaming services like Netflix and Amazon and all these uh, different things that they're doing these series um, and they started with the movies the way the Lord of the Rings did it and you know uh, very long movies and multiple movies um, and how they've done this uh, started doing it in the theater now they're doing it in this the streaming services to where they are doing it in in and the way it should have been done, kind of like when they did the uh, the Sci-Fi Channel did the Dune series, which is an underrated uh, underrated uh, version of Dune because they stuck very true to the book, and they did it in a three part mini series, and. In the modern way that they're doing this, like the way they're doing The Expanse, the way they did Good Omens, which is the other one I mentioned, and spreading it out to where you actually can do the story justice, I think that's wonderful. I love that that's available now.
0: Right. Well, I think I, exactly, but you have to have enough breath when you're talking about a book. And somebody brought up, when I was asked that question, somebody brought up Jurassic Park. And I remember going to see Jurassic Park, and it was a fantastic movie, but it it didn't to me tell the kind of the real story behind the book. It changed things. It was very much a kid's movie, which Michael Crichton's book was not a kid's book, right? About what happened on this island. But I well, looked at it. did and the I opposite felt- with The
2: Hobbit. They turned a, they turned a kid's book and tried to make an adult movie.
0: Exactly. So I just go, okay, but the movie by itself, if you knew nothing about the book, you would think Jurassic Park is a great movie. They did so many phenomenal special effects, the whole thing.
2: But again, that's also what I think is the virtue of the uh, of the Percy Jackson movies. They took a kid's book and they made a kid's movie. So if, if you were sort of lacking on it, the substance of the movie, it's because it was made for kids. They actually, st- they actually did stay true to the fact that it was a kid's book and it was a movie sort of directed towards young people and towards kids. And I thought that was, yeah, I mean, it has its flaws, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like a train wreck like The Hobbits. I mean. You know, that's it was-
0: true. I have a, okay, I have a question for you. You talk about doing a podcast. So you did a podcast where you talked to authors?
2: Yeah, yeah, I did that for a while.
0: Tell me about it.
2: Uh, I did it. It was called After the Con. It was, um, I, it was, the concept was after the cons over, we're all sitting at the lounge hanging out, and there's a bunch of writers talking about bullshit. It was a lot of fun. I had RJ R, 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 R. Barker, Michael Sullivan, Chris Paolini, I had, uh, I had Melinda Snodgrass, had Jody Lynn Nye, I. I had, um, I had, um, Carolyn Haynes, a well-known mystery writer. I had, uh, you know, I mean, I had, I, I basically, I basically went to the well of all the writers I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, is your podcast still up? What was it called?
2: Oh, it's still up. It's called After The Con, it's on YouTube. There's about like seven or eight episodes I did. And it was like, it was fun. I'd like to have kept going with it, but I just, I'm so bogged down with work right now. I just, I, I just, there's no way. Uh, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, everything that goes into what what these ladies are doing is hard work. You're booking <laughs> the people, <laughs> booking the people, figuring. Oh man, I'm just figuring all this shit out. It's just. Oh my God, it's so time consuming.
0: It, it is, but oh my God, so worth it. Okay, Vanessa, rapid
1: fire question. Ooh. Okay, Panzer or plotter? Yes. <laughs>
0: you know what I could have there's actually, that there's, answer. there's
2: actually a actually an answer to that. Um, uh, early on in my career I was almost a complete panther. I would um, I would complete what, what's also called a discovery writer um, where I would start out and then just sort of figure out how it went. I would have key plot points that I was trying to reach and you know I had sort of a vague idea where it was going. Um, as I got, it, it became, that became a lot more difficult with the Bargeblade series because it was such a, a much bigger world and a more complex plot. And it had to be because we're going to, you know, we're talking about this as tour, you know, as opposed to me doing it on my own. So I had to sort of have an idea of where I was going. Now with the new one um, that I'm coming out with, uh, The Forge of Worlds, we're talking about two hundred thousand word novels. I have a, a a companion book that's probably going to be six hundred thousand words of just the mythology and lore. Um, I have to plot that out. I can't pants that. It, it's too you know it's it, it, it would get just too confusing. Um, well, it, it got uh, being a pantser really. F- fucked me up in the Godling Chronicles because it ended up being such a massive six book, hundred thousand plus word per book, um, series that like I had to keep track of all this shit. And, <laughs> and, and, and especially in the beginning,
0: I don't see, I don't write, um, fantasy or science fiction for this reason i am such a pantser that absolutely under no fucking circumstances do i want to keep world books or try to keep any of that straight well,
2: i'm not i'm not a very good plotter that, that's my problem I, i'm not my my mind isn't organized that way but i have to adjust because of the ma- like the, 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 the my stories are getting bigger and bigger i have to adjust and I have to realize that I have limitations. So I have to compensate and, and plotting it out helps to compensate.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I think I think outlining, plotting, I think every writer has a different way they have to approach it. We also all have different memories. And I think people forget that. Like I do a thing when I'm, I'm rewriting some of, like going to the next in a series of one of my books and I'll, actually just reread both you know like whatever the books are in the series to remember as I start to sit down and write again so I don't forget some of the key points of my series but I'm very lucky because it's set in modern day and there's not a lot that I have to go back to like I have to I I jot down what the characters look like so I don't spontaneously change races looks whatever characters names no I still change the names I'm horrible about that but Um, I do make a point to to keep track of that, but I know like my first couple of books I ever wrote as a kid were, um, or younger, were two high fantasy books that happened to get destroyed by a lightning strike on a MacBook, uh, a Mac um, tower. But they were, you know, the whole world, they weren't any good. It's probably good the lightning struck them and they will never see the light of day,
2: but- brought her wrath down upon you
0: yeah exactly they were like do not publish this crazy 13 14 when I wrote them but I know for a fact as I've grown as a writer I go as much as I can think I played Dungeons and Dragons I've played all of these high fantasy games I'm playing the one ring right now with Dan Wells but I know I do not want to do that I do not want to do world building that way it's not my
1: thing
2: but why not? Some, no, some people it is, especially like gamers and shit that that like really want to run games. They they the whole world building process. Brandon Sanderson does a great uh, um, seminar on that. You can find it free on on YouTube about world building. He gives a he's doing a class. I think it uh, Brigham Young or B, uh
1: he's a professor. I've actually watched those videos. It's like he recorded a series of whatever yeah. one of his
2: And when movies. I was on world building and it's if you want to write these kind of big worlds, it's helpful even if you're a pantser to pay attention to what he's saying because it, it, um, it'll keep you from driving yourself batshit crazy.
0: Yeah, I don't want to do it, so I'm going to hard pass on all that and stick with my horror and my erotica. I'm good. Yeah. I, I'm not lacking. I'm not sitting there going, you know what? I want to write a book about magic. Like, that's not happening in
2: my brain. Well, I, I got, I, I'm thinking about an erotica story where I'm, like, sitting Well, I'm thinking about an interview I want to do. I want to go. I haven't had a real job in years, but I do want to go on an interview. And while I'm sitting there talking to the guy – you know, well, what do you where do you see yourself in five years on? Well,
0: um, <laughs> NASA, throw that in your series right there. Make a note, and throw it in your
2: series. And, 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 if he says something, go. Oh, did did I do that? It's a nervous tick. It, it, uh, sorry. It's when I get nervous, oh, sorry. I do did that.
1: My, did my nipple just slip out? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Being HR, guys.
0: Being HR, weirder shit has happened to me in interviews. Weirder shit has happened.
2: So what other kind of awesome questions do you have for me?
0: Ooh. Ooh. Many gin-filled questions. Okay. Um, what about music? Do you listen to music when you're writing? God no. Okay. First of all, tone. Second of all, why?
1: Because,
2: uh, because I'm inside my head. I, I am uh, anything that brings me outside my head uh, is gonna fuck with me. Uh, I'm I'm completely you, you, there's a disorder um, where you can't visualize shit. Um, Mark Lawrence actually has it. You can't visualize things inside your head. I'm the complete fucking opposite of that. When I write, I am completely into the scene and anything that would take me out of that, any kind of distraction. Tunnel vision? Well, no, it's like I immerse myself when I'm writing, so it's like, um, I'm in the scene when I'm writing, so for me to listen to anything in the background, It it would be like somebody itching the back of my head while I'm trying to concentrate. I'm immersed into the scene I'm writing, so no, no music.
0: Well, that's interesting considering you're a musician. I think that's no, no.
2: I love music, just not what I'm writing.
0: No, I no, I know. It's just I. Anyway, I've interviewed several people who are musicians and writers, and and the music is like my muse. is there anything as a reader that completely will throw you out of a story?
2: Huh. I mean, I'm I'm pretty easy to please. I'm not I'm not I'm not one of those jackasses who finds one flaw with a book and decides to lambast the writer on on Amazon. Um What brings me out of the book is when I when I when I when I think that the tension is being contrived, as opposed to uh, when, when it's like when I feel that like the tension is there just because the writer felt the tension needed to be there at that time, and it really doesn't make logical sense with the flow of the rest of the story, you know. Um, I, I, I can't really put my finger on it. I mean, that and that and just bad writing.
0: Do you finish books? You, <laughs> no, totally. Will you finish books, though? Like, a lot of writers will be committed and they'll finish it, but I won't. If you do it too much, and it doesn't take long, but I don't have the time with everything I'm doing to try to trudge through what you failed to do as a writer for me
2: well that you know i mean because there's a lot of indies out there who are like sitting there thinking that they're that their prose is one thing they have that what's that the dunham kruger effect mm-hmm. where they think that they're um here and they're way the hell down here and i'm reading and i'm like oh my god and they're like what is it about what what makes it bad writing i was like well it's like that guy in the Supreme Court who said yeah, I don't know what I can't describe porn, but I know it when I see it I can't tell you what makes their writing bad, but I know it when I'm reading it and and I'm like "Oh No when there's such poor word choices and just Obviously this person is is not ready for prime time and I've, and I actually get kind of bothered by that, especially if I spent money to, uh, read the book and that, that's one of the biggest failings of, of Indy, I think, uh, and it's one of the things we get criticized for in indie, is that you can basically any asshole with a computer can throw any piece of shit up on, you know, Kindle and, you know, call it a book.
0: No, it's true. You lose fans, though. I mean, if you're going to do that, you're not going to get editors. You're not going to. You're to, do to do lose
2: fans. You're never going to get fans. Yeah. I mean, no. Exactly. <laughs> it, 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 it <laughs> it you know what I mean?
0: Pick up that book again. What about reviews? Do you read reviews? Oh yeah. What do you What do you think? Do you leave reviews?
2: Uh, no. No. I never. I very. I, I'll leave reviews with books that I like from people that I know. Um, do you. You don't, get
0: asked to read books like, how do you approach that? Because you've been doing this a while. You have a lot of books to your credit.
2: I think I'm, it's, I'm not bothered by bad reviews. Let me tell you, there's nothing you can say to me. There's nothing you can say about my books that is going to make me upset. I've gotten, I've had personal attacks. People in Dragon Vein, the the main character abuses women. Now, also. Um, Explained that he abuses women because he used to abuse men, but men broke too easy. In the same way, I mean, do you know what I'm saying? It would and I don't. I never show it. You know, you know what I'm saying. I never show the abuse. I'm not there for the shock factor. I put it in because that character. I'm trying to make it, this character really as evil as I can make him. And to me that was is about as evil as you can make somebody yeah um, that would do something like that to somebody and I got accused of being pro-rape and I'm like I'm writing about a horrible villain who would do awful awful things How is it me do you know that That's if you
0: okay could, if you read my first published story I'm apparently pro-suicide so we're good. We can be birds of a feather on that. Cause,
2: so, but I've had people say that you know, say the most horrible things about me personally. Uh, if you don't like my work, that's cool. That's your that's that's your prerogative. I mean, that's I'm I'm not bothered by that. <clears throat> well, I've had thousands of reviews, and a lot of them great. A lot of some of them bad. Some of them awful. Some of them shining. I you know I I I do enjoy the feedback to see what what I'm doing right um if it, it, the marginal what, what the, some things do get, still get under my skin like when somebody says I love this book it was awesome three stars
1: <laughs> yeah throws up a one or two star and i'm trying to be like okay where are we at here
0: like (laughs) i think you have to take the reviews with a grain of salt the only time that any numerical system works for me is if they actually are able to point out something that's legitimately wrong like the author kept switching tenses throughout the book well that may be a thing but just to say Loved it, it was great, three stars, you gotta go cool. And I think as readers, we if we if you if you read reviews for the book, if you wanna do that for whatever reason, I don't read reviews for a book because I feel like my view of the book is gonna be my view. And did they pull me in with the blurb and did they pull me in with the cover? Am I interested in reading it? Um that doesn't mean I'll fucking finish it because if I don't get into the story or you throw me out of the fucking story, I'm not gonna finish it. But I look at the reviews and I that I see sometimes, and I'm like, you literally have to take every review with a grain of salt.
2: Well, I will. I will. Uh, we were talking about the difference between Indian traditional and me going away from um, my uh, my traditional uh, my my wisdom. You know, <laughs> uh, t- uh, traditional wisdom tells you start out with a bang, right? Yeah, and if you read the first chapter of the Barge Blade, it absolutely does not do that. <laughs> um,
0: Vanessa, you read the first chapter. Does it do that?
1: No, I can't even read. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> but
2: originally, it did. I
1: mean, it starts with the main character leaning back in a chair. So yeah. I don't think I mean unless something falls on her and like
2: no, no. You know. no, I mean, Originally it started out with a pregnant woman being chased by hounds through a wood to the wood
1: Oh, oh okay
2: but And now
0: they're in a chair and not being no, chased no, by no, hounds no,
2: no no they said let's do away with that And I'm like okay what do you want instead And when it was described to me I'm like okay so you want a long expected party and the, the the first chapter of, of, of the Lord of the Rings I said you're wanting to kind of on a long long expected party thing they go yeah I'm like oh well, yeah I could do that and be to be honest I, I love the way the barge blades up op- the barge blade opens it opens with um, showing the reader life and vilery you know um, how, how the people interact yeah you know, a little bit of because there's so much, so little time spent in that part of the world that showing what that life is like but I still would have but I tell you what I got criticized heavily for that I got the reviews came and I got criticized heavily for this slow burn at the beginning now if you read any of my other books none of them start out that way I mean they all start out with like there's two seconds to live and then fucking you better run 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 you know what I mean it, it it's all tensioned right at the beginning so I did enjoy doing that and it actually has impacted my writing I think I went a little too far I think as much as I love the way my editor helped me edit that book I would have went a little different if if I had it to do over again. I would have started out with an innocuous scene, an action scene that would have made sense later in the book, and then and then went to that chapter and went like that, which is what I did in the uh, Forge of Worlds. Is I sort of compromised. I put an action scene, but it wasn't necessarily a dire life or death thing. Yeah, you, know, you know
0: what I'm saying? It was. No, it's It makes sense, and you know, it's one of those kind of lesson learned things, and you have to go. What is my thing? Because I love editors. I really do love editors. I am a huge fan of By editors. Word, Lindsay
2: Hall is one of the best in the business.
0: But sometimes you have to go like with anything, and go. But this is my voice, and this is my story.
2: No, no, yeah, Lindsay didn't take my voice away. She, or, 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 or even, uh, it wasn't that. It's like, she's, is like, she did, she took away a part that was going to precede the part that ended up being the beginning. Do you, do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, no,
0: that makes sense. But you, know, like, you have to go with your gut sometimes.
2: And uh, my, uh, I'm like, to me, the, the, my traditional wisdom was going, if I don't open it up with a bang, nobody's gonna read. wanna read past the third page. But, I, but then I had to think, you know, hey, in a lot of these books that I've read, reading a little bit about the world and seeing some personal interactions that don't necessarily have any dire consequences is not necessarily a bad thing. It, it also all, all, you know can add to the add to the world add to the flavor of the story and i think that's what it did and it, it did have me concentrating on that more and so it had that positive impact
0: now that well that's good okay we actually are nearing the end of the podcast vanessa i'm going to let you ask the last question
1: Oh, okay. I also
0: know how drunk you are right now and that you're not really at the point of asking questions, so go. Oh,
1: okay. Favorite genre of music?
2: Oh, fuck.
0: Yeah. it's you <laughs> let the drunk girl asked ask the last question, that's what uh, you, what's going to there, happen.
2: There's no way I can answer that question. <laughs> okay. Um, at least
1: get... Okay. How about this? Um, what is a book that you recently read, that you absolutely adore, that you would like to share?
2: Hmm. The Bard's Played by Brian D. Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> to
1: this book right here.
2: <laughs> you know what? Here, here's what, I, here's what I'll say about that. And here's how I'll answer that question. The wonderful thing about fantasy is that you can read the Bard's Blade. That you can read Name of the Wind. You can read the, the latest Sanderson book or the latest whoever the hell. And, or, or something new like Evan Winter. Or, you know, or I can't recommend a genre enough than fantasy because unlike a lot of other genres the cl- i write classic fantasy well you know you have a lot of lbgtq fantasy coming in. you have a lot of asian based fantasy coming and it but you know what they do it's not a they don't displace classic fantasy it's an an addition to classic fantasy it, it enhances the genre it adds to the genre it's not some, it's not now there was this now there's this it's there is this and this now and so whatever you decide to pick up whatever whether it's one of my books or what or somebody else's books there's going to be something in the fantasy genre for you there's going to be Urban fantasy. There's going to be steampunk. There's going to be flintlock fantasy. There's going to be just you name. It, there's going to be oh, fantasy romance. There's going to be paranormal. There's going to be always something there for you. And my recommendation as a first book, uh, something I would recommend, I would start with the Lord of the Rings and start with the Godfather of Fantasy, and and find out why guys like me, guys like Sanderson and Raffis and S- Sullivan and Lawrence and all of us, why we got into it in the first place. Actually, I would start with the Hobbit because that's a children's book. And but
1: you
2: the book, the, not the movie, right? Oh, the book. Well, yeah, yeah, of course, the book. The movies suck.
1: Okay. Why are you poking the badger with a stick? I Monica? was just uh, saying because I know how you have—you guys have very strong feelings, and I many just...
0: strong feelings about these things. <laughs> about the- here we go, nipple rubbing. Okay, so Brian, on, on the nipple rubbing tale, how do fans uh, look at you? What's the best way to find your books?
2: Um, look up Brian D. Anderson, um, and hope you don't. And, and, and if you think you're and if you think you're uh, uh on brandon sanderson it's okay i understand that mistake
0: <laughs> as you, we promote brandon uh, uh, on before, this uh, podcast before,
2: before we go i do want to tell a funny story please, is, is we, have,
0: please. we have time absolutely all
2: right of course my name is Brian Anderson I never I used the D in the at the uh, onset of my career because there was a, a pitcher for the A's named Brian Anderson there was a skateboarder named Brian Anderson and there was a guy who wrote comic books named Brian Anderson so I decided instead I didn't want to use a pseudonym so I used my middle initial to distinguish myself from these people it wasn't till a little later when uh, the first book of the Goblin Chronicles was out, that I received a um, review that said, "Hey, love this book. Also love Mistborn," and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like,
1: "You're like, huh?
2: What the fuck?
1: <laughs> You're like, nailed it, nailed it."
2: And I'm like, and I knew who Brandon Sanderson was. I had to look up Mistborn because only I knew Brandon Sanderson. See, had finished off the Wheel of Time series, and I'm like, holy shit! Okay, you think I'm Brandon Sanderson? And I I I didn't want to break it to the guy, but this happened like four or five times. I'm like, thinking I'm Brandon Sanderson, and I'm like, oh fuck, man! This people are gonna think I did that on purpose, man. To like fool people. And well, what the fuck, man! Nobody's ever gonna it, this writing thing's not gonna go anywhere, anyway. What are the odds of me running into Sanderson? Well, we both have the same publisher now, so the odds have increased.
1: Oh my gosh! Have you met him yet?
2: No, I have not. But the funny, funny, funny thing is, Brian D. Anderson. When you look at it, does look like Brandon Sanderson? My middle name is Don. So if I had just used my entire middle name, not only would it look like it, it would sound like it, Brian Don Anderson.
0: Oh, wow, <laughs> that's amazing. I wonder, you know what's funny though? I can't wait, wait to talk to Brian, uh, Brian oh, my God, oh my God.
1: You're, you're now proven his point.
0: Yeah, exactly. But now I want to ask him if he gets mistaken for you. No. I'm gonna remember to do that. It's gonna be amazing. It would probably
2: probably make him feel like shit. I I doubt it. I doubt
0: it. Oh, that's
2: what it is. Yeah. It'd be like Stephen King being, you know, oh, God, I don't even have, uh, well, I kind of lost that one. Uh, Peter Jackson (laughs) being mistaken for that guy with the little mustache that did, like, the porn movies. (laughs) Are
0: are you talking about Jeremy? uh Oh, uh um, Oh my god, okay, we're way too drunk to be saying names. Okay, we're gonna wrap up this podcast. This is bad, it's going off the rails. Okay, this has been Drinking with Authors Literary Briefs. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co host today has been Vanessa
1: Valiente.
0: Our phenomenal guest has been Brandon Sanderson. but <laughs> no. <laughs> Stop it up that way. Brian D. Anderson has been our guest, and we will see you guys next time.